that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Look down at verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, or what cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, notice he keeps repeating and see what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether they be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Look down, if you will, to verse number 26. And we'll read this, and then we'll pray. The Bible says, And they went and came to Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him, and says, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of of it. Now let's stop there and let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for your word and I thank you for a good day in your house. Lord, what a great spirit this morning. Lord, in spite of all that's going on, Lord, your people showed up at their place and many tuning in on live stream in their place today. And we thank you, Lord, for the unity that we can have, even though things seem to be in such disarray. And we thank you for the great spirit, the moving of your spirit and the power of your word. And I pray that, Lord, even though we're not in the building tonight, we would allow your word to be as quick and powerful as it is if we were in the presence of it here tonight. And I just pray that you'd work in each heart and life. Pray that your word would be preached the way you'd have it to be, and we respond the way you'd have us to. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight's message will really uh, come off of the message this morning, really segue out of that message into this one, uh, and really put the exclamation point on the thought that I believe the Lord would have us to preach this morning. And this morning we saw the need for God's people to be a forward-looking people. If there's something that's been on my heart over the past month for sure, and even a little bit beyond that, is the fact that our people have got to be forward-looking in the midst of all that we're going through. It's very easy to get distracted right now with all that's going on and to stall out spiritually, but as we spoke this morning, it's as a plane, if a plane begins to lose its forward progress, it's going to crash, it's going to fall, and it's going to fail, and I believe our church will be the same way. Our people must be forward-looking in spite of all that's going on. Uh, Yesterday, I met with our deacons, I think I mentioned that this morning, and I shared with them my burden of what we need to do between now and the end of the year, Uh, kind of looking at this as the second half of the year, Uh, and I told them I don't believe we can afford uh, to weather or allow the weather to pass. I believe as a church, we're going to have to move forward and look forward in spite of the storm that seems to be raging uh, on around us. I was thinking this afternoon while we were at Disney last week, uh, there was a hurricane move through uh, while we were there. And uh, you just leave it to the Andrews to pick a vacation where a hurricane is going to move through. Uh, We had to make a decision on one of the days that we were there when the storm began to blow in off the east coast of Florida. uh, And we were catching the wind and the rain from that. 
Uh, we had to make a decision of what we're going to do. We had paid good money for that vacation. Oftentimes, that's the case when you have a spontaneous trip. Uh, you pay for what you didn't plan. And we didn't plan a lot on that trip, so we paid a lot on that trip. Uh, we had to decide what we're going to do, and we knew we weren't going to refund. Uh, and we knew that our time was limited. We had to get back for vacation Bible school. And so we decided we were going to weather it. Uh, and on that morning, we got up, and the clouds were dark, and the wind was blowing, the palm trees were swaying, uh, but Disney was open. They needed our money, and so we were glad to give it to them, and we made our way to the parks. Before we ever got in the gate of the parks, uh, the rain began to fall, and I mean it began to fall. Uh, some of the workers there felt so sorry for us. Uh, they gave us some of the Disney ponchos, very thankful for that, about 50 bucks worth of ponchos for our whole family, but we knew that it was going to rain. And we knew that it was going to be difficult. And we knew there was going to be adversity going in the parks that day. As a matter of fact, we even packed a backpack to carry in the parks with spare clothes. We even parked, uh, uh, took a beach blankets with us, kind of beach towels with us. And I even took a pair of flip-flops. I'm not much of a flip-flop guy. I have ugly feet. That's at least what my wife tells me. Uh, but I carried a pair of flip-flops just in case it started raining. Sure enough, it started raining. I went to my locker there that we have at, at Disney. We rented a locker for the day. I took off my shoes, I cuffed up my pants, put on my, uh, my flip-flops. I, I looked like a tourist, but uh, not many people knew us there. The Thorntons were there, but they already know that we're weird, so it didn't matter that I looked funny in front of them. Uh, and we spent the rest of the day enjoying the parks, uh, in the ponchos, out of the ponchos, dry or wet. We had already decided that no matter the, what the weather was, we were going in the parks that day, and we were going to have a good time. And I think we did. We had a great time that day, enjoyed ourselves, rode a lot of rides, ate a lot of food, and spent a lot of money. But here's what I want you to get at tonight. I want you to understand. We knew what was coming. We, I, mean, I mean, a hurricane doesn't sneak up on you, you know? Tornadoes sneak up on you, but hurricanes don't sneak up on you. We knew the hurricane was coming, and yet we were willing uh, to brave the weather and get out there uh, in spite of the risks that were going on because of the weather. And I believe right now that as a church, we're not going to be able to wait until the weather of the storm passes for us to pick up the will of God and continue looking forward, but more importantly, moving forward. I told our deacons yesterday that I believe the spiritual risk, I don't just believe it, I know it, that the spiritual risk are going to far outweigh the physical threat uh, that this virus is going to bring to us. Now, I'm not saying this, this virus is not real. I'm not saying it doesn't pose a threat to people's health, and we're doing our best to keep this place clean. We're doing our best to uh, take the steps necessary not to allow something to spread here in the church. But I believe wholeheartedly that the spiritual risks that are coming with this virus are going to be far more and far widely reaching and devastating than the virus itself. I think I told you before we left town, I've been talking with other pastors, trying to get a feel for how things are going in their churches and how they feel their congregations are, and the number that keeps floating around, and I have to agree with it, uh, I believe the casualty rate will be somewhere around 30%. I don't know what the casualty rate is on this virus. They say it's 1%, but it's hard to find credible information anymore with so much information flooding the market. But I believe wholeheartedly that the spiritual damage that will be done because of the idleness of people, not just being in God's house, but being out of their spiritual routine, out of the opportunity to serve, I believe there will be a death toll spiritually probably somewhere near 30%. 
Now we're going to do our best. We're going to try to keep this place clean, take precautions as best we can. But I believe with all of my heart, it's time that we look forward. And we talked about that this morning. We've got to get this thing rolling and moving back about the will of God. I don't mean you have to come if you're afraid you're going to be sick. But we've got to be spiritually moving forward together as a church. Whether it's split services, live stream, or even in-person services, we've got to be looking forward. We cannot afford to be slowing down. Now, as we read in the book of Numbers about the children of Israel tonight, this was a common theme for them. God constantly was getting them to look forward. He was constantly reminding them of the land flowing with milk and honey. What is he doing? He's dangling the carrot out in front of them of what they should be looking forward to. In spite of the Red Sea, look forward. In spite of the need for food, look forward. In spite of the enemies that are on their way, continue to look forward. In spite of the loss of even some of their own, they had to continue to to look forward. Why? Because there was a promise waiting on them. In Numbers chapter number 13, we come to the place where they are literally on the doorstep of the promise. For so long, they have been looking forward to it based on the description that God and Moses and Joshua have given them. But now they find themselves on the doorstep and they can literally see what they have been looking forward to. And now the proverbial question of now what? Now what? Uh, Now they're literally going to have to take the next steps and not just look forward. Now they are literally going to have to move forward. And I believe tonight this is where we are as a church. Uh, I hope we can all look forward to what God has planned in spite of circumstance. Remember, God's not going to wait to bless and to work and to move until the virus is over. God is willing to work in the midst of all that's going on if his people will by faith look forward to it. That's what we tried to convey this morning. But understand this, looking forward is just the beginning. The only way that we're going to possess what God has in front of us is by moving forward. Now the children of Israel in chapter number 13, they're camped outside of the promised land and now they are waiting. And now God says, Moses, I want you to send some spies into the land. Notice what he says in verse number 2. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers. Shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them? Now they've got to send some people in to lead the way. Now the promise is within sight. What they've been looking forward to is there. But now someone is going to have to be those first people, uh, kind of like pilgrims, if you will, and lead the way. I want to tell you something tonight. As much as I look forward to the promises of God, understand this. Even promises oftentimes come with problems. One of my biggest problems is I promise a lot. Uh, There's probably people in this room tonight with a limited crowd that is in here. uh, And there are probably a lot of you watching tonight uh, that I have made promises to. But with the busyness of life, some little disorganization in my life at times, uh, sometimes I run into problems trying to keep my promises. Now, God always keeps his promises, and his promises were there for the taking, but they're going to have to go into uncharted territory to find them out. As a matter of fact, we looked in verse number 17 where Moses tells them to go find out what the land is. Notice what he says in verse 18. Watch how uncharted this territory is. He says, see the land what it is. And the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. Notice the unknowns. As they go to possess the promise and moving forward, there are unknowns. God has not told them all about the people that are there. Verse number 18, 
the Bible says, see whether they be strong, few or many, verse 19, and the land that they dwell in, whether it's good or bad, what the cities are, whether they're in tents or strongholds. Verse 20, what is the land? Is it fat or is it lean? He's sending them basically into uncharted territory in order to possess the promises that God has made to them. And with all of that in mind, I want you to think about this. With all of the unknowns of what the people were like, what the land was like, what the structure was like, there was still going to have to be someone who wasn't just going to look forward to what God had promised. Someone was going to have to move forward and be those, those that would lead the way toward what God had promised and called them to. Now, folks, listen, I can't tell you what the rest of this year is going to hold. I can't tell you what the rest of this week is going to hold. It's very fluid now in the world that we're living in. I can't tell you what the dangers are. I can't tell you what the difficulties are going to be. I can't tell you what the disappointments are going to be. I can't tell you who's going to stay, who's going to go as far as our membership. I can't tell you who's going to make the trip to possess what God has promised. But that doesn't change the fact that we as the people of God must move forward. We can't just look forward. We've got to move forward. And tonight what we need at Central Baptist Church is some people with the resolve of those people listed in verse number 4 all the way down to verse number 15. We need some people that are willing to lead the way forward. I'm not saying being reckless and I'm not saying to be uh, not uh, prudent, but I'm saying is it's time we move forward. We've had so much disarray. We've had so much confusion, all these things going on, and we've become idle. And now it's not just time to look forward, it's time to move forward. But Moses says, get you some people. Moses says, what you need, Joshua, you need some people that are willing to go over in there and lead the way that God is calling. So tonight, we're going to look at some of the job requirements by those that were willing to go and lead the way forward. And I believe tonight, this is what God should stir all of us to at this time. That we're going to not only look forward, but move forward. So look at verse 2 again. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. Which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one, a ruler among them. Now notice what God is saying. God is saying, Moses, I want you to send some men into the land to search out the land or to spy out the land. And basically what spying simply means is I want them to go see what I've been telling you about. God had been promising and promising and promising that there was a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And he says, I want them to go see what you've been looking forward to. Now, sadly, this is something we don't do a whole lot of within the church today. And I'm talking about Christians around the world. Often God promises something in his word, but sadly, we never go to see it for ourselves. So understand this first tonight. Those that are going to lead the way forward, if we are going to lead Central Baptist Church forward in the will of God and we're going to move forward in his will and in his word in spite of the enemy territory that we seem to be living in, number one, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be willing to search out what God said. You're going to have to be willing to search out what God said. Now remember, up until now, the promised land was just that. It was a promise. Now, God had made the promise, so therefore we know that it was there, but up until now, they had not seen it. And God says, listen, I have made these promises. I have told you what is waiting. Now, I want you to go, and I want you to see it for yourself. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm so thankful 
that I serve a God, that there's always something tangible to his truths. He doesn't just give us these fortune cookie things that never amount to anything. I don't even know why we open up fortune cookies anymore. Uh, They're kind of fun to play with from time to time. Mine never usually turn out. Uh, you know, so, you know, you're going to meet a long lost relative or you're going to realize that you're really, uh, you know, the king of England or something like that. Mine never turn out. They never seem to turn out. Uh, my wife, sometimes they'll turn out. My daughter's pretty good. Theirs will turn out from time to time, but they're kind of just empty. They just spray words out there. And every once in a while, you know, even a blind sow will find an acorn. That's not the way it is with the word of God. When God gives us truth and God makes a promise, there's going to be something tangible to it. I'm so glad tonight that I don't serve a God that makes empty promises. Now, from time to time, we're not able, all we're not able to keep our word about something, and sometimes we'll come up short and not be able to meet a requirement or not be able to meet an appointment. That happens to all of us, but do you understand that never happens to God? When God makes a promise in his word and God tells us what is forward, if we'll just be obedient to, to his word to move toward it, do we realize tonight there's always something on the other end of it? God was not sending them. Now understand this. So why did God send them to search out the land? Did God not know what was in there? Did God say, hey, listen, guys, I want you to go and search out the promised land and come back and tell me what it's like? No, God knew very well what it was like. What God wanted them to know is what he already knew. What God wanted them to do was to take his promise, the promise that he had given in his word, and he wanted them to use it as a roadmap to find what he told them was there. Remember a while back I told you about the book written by Forrest Finn about the treasure that was buried out west and he gave the, um, the poem that kind of gave you a rough idea of how to find it for years and years. They searched, it was over a million dollars I believe it was uh, and I read in Fox News just a month or so ago someone actually found the treasure. It was there. He had said that it was buried out west somewhere, and he gave the coordinates of the triangle of where it was out somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. I didn't think they would ever find it, but someone got in that book that he wrote. I forget what the name of the book was, and they studied out all the clues, and they kept searching and searching and searching, and now there's a new millionaire in America because someone was willing to search out what was said. Now, can I tell you something? This book, the Word of God, is a treasure map for the promises of God. And I'm not talking about health and wealth all the time. I'm not preaching a Joel Osteen type of theology. But what I am saying is God makes promises to his children. God makes promises to his church. But sadly, so often, we never take him at his word and take the time to search out what he said. Now, folks, I believe if we're going to see at Central Baptist Church what God desires to do in the midst of this time, we've got to have a few people who decide what those spies decided, that I'm going to take God at his word, and I'm going to go lay my eyes on what thus saith the Lord and find out for myself. Moses said in verse number two, he says, I want you to search the land. I want you to search it. Now, God knew what was there, but here's what God wanted them to do. God wanted them to see it for themselves. So often, so many of us, we live in a second-hand spirituality. Uh, We have a spirituality based on what mama told us, what daddy told us, or what Sunday school teacher told us. By the way, I'm thankful for all of those, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But sooner or later, we ought to get in this book, take the promises of God, and search out what God said for ourselves. Don't just hear it from someone else. I want those promises for me. I want to see it for myself. My first preaching Bible, or my, actually my second, I lost the first one. Man, with the Nate, that broke my heart when I lost my first preaching Bible. You know what I did with it? Guys, don't ever do this. I left church to play basketball, 
And I put my Bible on the roof of my car. And lost it that way, all right? So be careful if you play basketball tonight. Uh, don't put your Bible on the roof of your car. But in the second preaching Bible, I got it when I was 18, uh, every time I would come across a promise in the Word of God, I would write promise beside it. As a young teenager, an older teenager, a young man, and then a, a husband and a dad, I would squeeze the ink out of the promises of God. Why? Because every time that I did, I always was able to see it for myself. It's true, it's true, it's true. And if our church is going to be what our church has to be in the midst of all of this for the world that we live in right now, we've got to have a few people. Notice what he said. Watch how simple this is in verse 2. Notice the end of it. The Bible says, send a man, everyone, a ruler among them. He said, I just need a few One out of every tribe. I mean, just a handful of men to go see it for themselves. And I just wonder tonight, what could happen within this church if we just had a handful who decided that they're not just content with looking forward, but they're going to move forward. And they're going to get in the Word of God. They're going to get their families in the Word of God. They're going to get themselves in the Word of God. And they're going to search out what God said for themselves. Kind of sounds like Psalms 34, 8, doesn't it? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. I've always, I used to tell my teenagers this when I was a youth pastor. It doesn't say taste and see if you like it. My daughter's kind of that way. I've told you, I don't know how I raised a picky eater. I eat just about anything except for celery. And uh, I think if you fried it, I probably would eat it. But uh, I like just about everything. She doesn't like most things. And we were at this food festival while we were on vacation. We're trying out all this food. And Brother AJ had told me all about a lobster macaroni. That sounds good, doesn't it? Lobster macaroni. I mean, that's a marriage made in heaven. Lobster and macaroni. And so before we left the park, I found my way over to the the place that was selling that, and I bought me a bowl of that lobster macaroni, and it sounded good when he told me. But man, it tasted even better than it sounded. And it was good. My daughter didn't like it, but I loved it. Why? I decided, you know what, I'm not just going to hear what somebody told me about. I'm going to make my way across the park to the place that sold the lobster macaroni, and I'm going to get some for myself. And oh my goodness, was it good. And that's the way the promises of God are. That's the way the Word of God is, that we taste and see that it's good. And we find that God, everything that God said is exactly the way that he said it would be. The second half of that verse says, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You know, in order for us to move forward, it's going to require some trust. Why? Because you didn't know what the land was like. You didn't know if they were strong or weak, few or many. You didn't know if they dwelled in houses or tents. There's so many unknowns. What do you do with unknowns? Unknowns are things we can't see. And it requires what? Faith. We talked about it the first night at Vacation Bible School. Faith is with the things that we cannot see. We don't know what lies ahead, but I'm just going to trust God. Why? Because when we taste and see, we find out that God is as good as he says and even better than he says. I believe this virus has provided us an opportunity, all of us an opportunity that is very unique. You know, on a normal day, and I don't know if we even know what that is anymore, I don't know what a normal day is going to be after all of this is over, if all of this ever ends. But on a normal day, we might would put the Word of God to the test from time to time. Maybe mom's in the hospital. Uh, Maybe we have trouble making a car note. 
Uh, maybe our kid is sick, or maybe there's a great need, and so we get in that word, and we mine out the promises of God. But on a normal day, most of the time, we don't put the word of God or the promises of God to the test. But boy, we're not living in a normal day anymore, are we? We're living in a day where we have learned that we must get in this book, mine out the promises of God, and find out that grace is sufficient for ourselves. It's not going to work anymore just to believe it because Daddy said it. I remember when I got married, I was raised in a good home, good mom and dad, and raised us right. And uh, I believed a lot of what I believed because that's what my dad believed, and that's, that's not a bad thing either, as long as your dad believes the right stuff, Amen. And I remember I got married and uh, have my own home now. And I've got to decide, what do I believe? I knew what I believed when I was in my dad's house because uh, you weren't uh, that dumb to uh, say that I don't believe what you believe. You know, you just kind of believed it because that's what dad believed and you just kind of went along with everything else. But came a time after I got married, I had to decide what I believed for myself. And so I had to get in this book and I had to find out where I stood and I had to find out who I stood against and what I stood for. You see, it couldn't just be my dad's secondhand spirituality. I had to see this for myself. And what a wonderful truth it is when you find out that what you've been taught is right. It's been taught as true. The sad thing is this. So many of us will never search out what God said. He's told us vividly in great detail and description about his promises. And we know that God's going to uphold his end of the bargain. But how often do we, are we willing to not just look forward... How often do we move forward to search out what God said for ourselves? I meant to have the picture to show you tonight, but I was running a little bit late this afternoon and didn't get it for you. Um, but Brother Braden and I rode on a roller coaster. He's not here, is he? I guess he's out there. Brother Braden and I rode on a roller coaster together at Disney World. It was one, a new one that he hadn't ridden before. And so he was asking me a lot of questions. And I used to, Brother Nate, not be a roller coaster guy until I married a crazy woman. And she turned me into a roller coaster guy. And uh, Brother Braden was asking me all about the roller coaster. Does it go upside down? Does it go backwards? Is it fast? And all these things. And I, he said, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to go up, and it's going to go fast. You're going to go backwards. You're going to sling you around in your seat. You're going to be going back and forth, and there's this big, big foot. He's going to reach down and try to grab you, and you're going to go over this hill. Woo! And have a picture and all that. It's just going to be great. So we got on the ride, and we took selfies, and uh, a few minutes later, we come out the big, woo, and we fall, and we scream, and all of that, and we got the ride picture. And I asked Brother Braden, I said, Brother Braden, what did you think? He says, I loved it. It was just like you said. It was fun and backwards and you pulling G's and upside down and Bigfoot, all of these things. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if we just got in the word of God and believed what God said? I promise you, not only will you find out it's everything that he said it was, you'll find out that it's so much more. But the problem is simply this. We're not willing to go and to see it for ourselves. If you keep up with the Lapone family on social media, uh, you'll find out they just celebrated 25 years of marriage and uh, went out to the Grand Canyon uh, to celebrate that. And so thankful for their family. Looking forward to her being a part of our school. And uh, I saw on his post, I've been to the Grand Canyon, and if you've never been, it's hard to describe. Uh, if you've never been, you know, because here in South Mississippi, we have ditches and gullies. You know, we have Red Bluff. Ooh, you know, big Red Bluffs out there. They're big. They're big. Don't get me wrong. But you kind of go into it with that mentality, you know, I'm going to see a big ditch in the ground. And then you get there, and you can hardly see to the other side of that thing. And I was telling Brother Lapone, I said, listen, before you go, I said, look, look it's amazing. You're going to get there, and some places it's hard to see. It's hard to see the bottom of that thing, all the colors. It's just unbelievable how big it is. You just got to see it for yourself. The pictures won't do it justice. 
And I noticed on one of his posts the other day, one of the hashtags were, pictures don't do it justice. You see, he traveled out there for himself. He made the journey to go see the Grand Canyon. And when he got there, he says, you know what? You're right. Pictures just don't do it justice. And that's the way it is with the promises of God. If we're going to possess what God has promised, sooner or later, you got to move. In spite of circumstances, you got to move. In spite of the uncertainties, you got to move. He says, look, there's so many things, verse 17, 18, 19, there's so many things we don't know. But I want to possess what God has promised, and the only way to do that is to search it out for myself. Can I tell you this tonight, and real quick, and I'll give you the second thing. There's no way that you can lead others to something that you haven't found for yourself. There's no way that you can lead others to the promises of God if you haven't found them for yourself. You can tell them about them, absolutely. I've known lost people who've led other people to the Lord, but there's no way that you can know it until you know it for yourself, and that requires a movement. Sad thing is many will never find it. Many will never find it simply because they'll never search for it. Notice he said in verse 2, you got to go search it. I've told you what's there, but you've got to search it. My prayer for our church and the rest of this year, if the Lord should tarry, I don't think he will, but if he were to tarry, uh, my prayer for our church is simply this, it will not just look forward, but that we'll move forward. But that movement begins, listen, we're not just going to vote collectively to move. I mean, it's got to happen in a few hearts around this building. Somebody's going to decide, I'm going to be one of those spies and I'm going to go and search it out for myself. So number one, if you're going to lead the way forward, you're going to have to search out God's word for yourself. Now look back over, if you will, to verse 26. The Bible says, and they went and they came to Moses and to Aaron. This is after they have searched it out. It's all the congregation of the children of Israel. Unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them. Now notice that part. That's key tonight. That's the second thing. The Bible says they brought back word unto them. So here's what they had to do. Their job was not just to go and see it. You see, God was going to use their testimony of what they saw. God says, I want you to go search it out for yourself. I made a promise. Now, I want you to go see it, and I want you to come back. When you come back, I want you to bring back word. You see, it wasn't just a sightseeing expedition. Oftentimes, that's what we do. We're just thumbing through the scriptures, and we're not really interested in going. We just want to read about it so that we can know it because we're very prideful people. God's desire was for them to go see it and then use their experience to motivate others. The second thing tonight, if you're going to lead the way forward, number two, you're going to have to return with a testimony of truth. You're going to have to return with a testimony of truth. What does that mean? That means if you decide to move forward in the will of God in spite of the circumstance and the unknowns and the uncertainties of society, not only does God desire you go find it for yourself, but God wants you to bring back a testimony of the truth that God has kept his word. I want you to imagine this. I'm just going to have to pretend I'm only 40. I have a great imagination still. And I imagine when those 12 men prepared to go to the promised land, I kind of feel like there was a great send-off. I really do. Uh, I mean, these brave men, one from every tribe, and they're going to search out the land. I kind of feel like they probably had some pom-poms or something like that, and maybe some, some papyrus signs holding up, you go, man, or something like that, as they get ready to go into the promised land. And this big send-off, and they watched them as they walked down the road, and watched them as they went over the hill, and then finally they watched them until they got out of sight. And then the wait begins. They're waiting for them to come back. They're going into hostile territory, 
They're moving into uncertainties and unknowns, and now the people wait. And I'm sure there were wives and children watching their sundials, trying to wait and see when they're coming back and wondering and watching the calendar. Don't know how long that they were gone. And they're waiting for them to bring back word and confirm what God said. Now, I want you to think about this. What had happened? What would happen if they never returned? What did it happen if they never brought? What does the Bible say in verse 26? The Bible says they brought back word unto them. What had happened if they took the journey and never came back to give a testimony of God's truth? I kind of fear like that the people wouldn't even consider. We know they didn't go in, but they would have never even considered moving forward. Why? Because they never came back. There was no testimony of truth. Well, folks, how often is that the case? Man, we get excited at church. Good spirit this morning. Good spirit in church today. I'm excited. I'm excited just looking forward, but I'm more excited about moving forward. And when we see people in church, they get excited. Man, I want to step up and I'm going to serve God and I got saved or I rededicated my life or my heart's on fire and I'm going to move forward and discover the promises of God. And yet those people set off on that journey and we've all been guilty of it at one time or another and we never come back. We never bring back word. We never bring back a testimony of truth. And here's what I fear. I've used this term before, but I believe it. I fear tonight that the promises of God, the sufficiency of God's grace, and the sufficiency of God's strength have almost become spiritual Bigfoots. We all talk about them. I, we turned the television on the other day, and they had this, this Bigfoot show advertising on there. And I'm, I think it's kind of neat to watch and fun to watch. And the sad thing was, listen to this, guys. They were on season 11. Now, you think about that. I mean, I think the directors and the producers of that show probably sit back and wonder, how long do you think we can keep this going? 11 seasons, America has tuned in never to see one Bigfoot on the show. They've talked about it, they've researched it, uh, they've thought about it, but they have no evidence to show for what the show is all about. And I think the producers are probably sitting back, ringing that cash register thing, and as long as they'll watch it, we'll just keep walking around the woods. I'm going to tell you, sooner or later, that show's got to go off the air. Now, I've been proved wrong before, but I just kind of feel like it's going to go off the air because people are going to get tired of them setting off on this trip, but never bringing back any evidence. And this is the truth about the promises of God. We as the church are so guilty. We talk about the promises of God. We sing about the sufficiency of amazing grace, but we never bring back word, a testimony of truth in our own life. And we wonder why people don't take us seriously. We talk about the church, and we talk about the power of the church, the influence of the church. Listen, if our church wants to influence Hattiesburg, some of God's people need to get in God's word. They need to find the promises of God, search them out for themselves, and bring back a testimony of truth that everything he said is true. You go through a trial, go through a difficulty, go through a worldwide pandemic, and yet you still have hope. That's a testimony of truth. So the Bible says, I mentioned it this morning, uh, be ready always to give an answer of the hope that's in you. I can't say it enough. Hope is invisible. There's no way people can look into our heart and see hope. Uh, You can't see it. It's invisible. But you can see it in the way we live our life. We live it as people of hope. That's a testimony of truth. Why do you have hope in a worldwide pandemic? America's falling apart. Going to the dogs. We'll probably be communists or socialists within the next 10 years. And yet you have hope. Where did you get that from? Well, you know, one day I heard a preacher preaching about grace or preaching about hope. 
And so I got in this book and I started searching it out for myself. And I found out there was sufficient grace. And now not only did I hear about it, I found it for myself. And I'm here to tell you the smile on my face, the joy in my heart, the contentment that I have as I go throughout a day in spite of my circumstances is a reflection of a testimony of God's truth. But sadly, we don't see that in our life. And that's why we're not effective. Why was the woman at the well so effective? Matter of fact, turn there with me. We've got a little time tonight. John chapter 4, let's turn there together real quick. John chapter 4. Many of you are probably in your lazy boys already, so you're comfortable. John chapter number 4. Look down, if you will. Uh, we're going to skip over the story. You know the story about the woman at the well. Look down at verse 39. After she left her water pot, went and told people what she had found, the Bible says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. See, she gave a testimony of what she had found. She sat there on the well and she heard directly from Christ himself. She received Christ for herself. And now she's going to tell everyone and notice the influence that she has. And she never made her way to Bible college. She hadn't read through the whole Bible because she didn't have a whole Bible. She didn't come from a spiritual heritage of preachers. All that she had was what she had sought out and found for herself. The Bible says that many of the Samaritans believe. Keep on reading and watch what happens after this. Verse 42, the Bible says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. The dominoes just keep falling. Why? Because there was a dear lady who didn't just hear about Christ and look forward to Christ. She sought it out for herself. She found it to be true. She brought back word. And when those people heard, they got saved. And now they brought back word. Sounds like a revival to me. I think we overcomplicate things sometimes. I think we need to get in this book, search out what God says, and bring back a testimony of truth. Say, hey, I want to tell you something. It's real. The grace of God, it's sufficient. Why? Because I went through all of this, and yet God sustained me. Turn over, if you will, just a few chapters in John, John chapter 12. I want to show you something else. John chapter number 12, and then we're going to go back to numbers. Look down, if you will, to verse number 9. The Bible says, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, speaking of Jesus and Lazarus, and listen closely, and they came not for Jesus' sake only. Remember, every word of this is inspired. God wanted us to know that. You know what he's showing us? He's showing us the testimony of Lazarus. He's showing us the testimony of a changed life. But they, that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Who were they coming to see? They were coming to see the testimony of truth. They had heard that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And there's one sure way to find out. Go find him. Take his pulse. Take his blood pressure. And they walk in and there he is. And they were there to see what they had heard and the testimony of the life of Lazarus is why they came. Oh, how we could influence this world right now if we just returned with a testimony of truth that we showed them and we tell them about what we found for ourselves. The sad truth is this, and this is the truth, and you know it. We live in the South. It's the truth. Most of the time, the best thing we have to offer this world is a cliche. All things work together for good. Now, that's scripture, but we offer as a cliche. We haven't found that out for ourselves. We just repeat what we've heard or the proverbial, bless your heart, like that's going to help them. 
Can I tell you, telling people in this world right now about a remedy that you've heard of is not going to help them. Telling them what your mama told you, telling them what you heard from a Sunday school teacher, that's not going to cut it right now. They need the firsthand experience of somebody who went through the fire, came out the other side, and found the grace of God to be sufficient. It's going to take more than we're accustomed to because right now all we're accustomed to is telling them about something we've heard, not something we know for ourselves. We don't have that testimony because we haven't proven it for ourselves. Matthew chapter number 17, you remember the young man whom the Bible calls a lunatic. Remember that? And the disciples, the the dad brought him to the disciples for them to cast a demon out to heal him, and they could not do it. He comes to Jesus, and he says, we brought brought my son. I mean, can you imagine? The Bible says that uh, he was a lunatic, and it would throw him into the fire. He was always having this trouble and always having this trial, and he could not find the remedy. Oh, what a picture of our world today. Our world is just about one great big old ball of lunatics, and we can't help them. We don't have what it takes. Like the disciples, we don't have what it takes to help them. And what did Jesus tell them in Matthew chapter number 17? He said, it's going to take something more. It's going to take something more. He said, this kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. You're not going to just get by by the spoken word. You're going to have to put a little bit more into it. He says, you're going to have to be willing to go that extra mile in order to help these people. And folks, I'm going to tell you something tonight. We're living in a world, like I said, full of lunatics who are are suffering because of the cause of sin. That's what the problem is. And we as the people of God think we can just give them a cliche and everything's going to be better. No, what we need is some people of God to search out what God said and to bring back a testimony of truth that it's everything that God said it was. I think that's the only way we're going to impact America. Search out the promises for ourselves and bring back word that it's everything God said it was. I want to read you a story right quick. It's a hymn story. It's kind of long uh, behind the story, uh, behind the hymn of uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I may have told you about this before, but I want to read the details for you. Uh, The story is about the author, a young man by the name of Scriven is his last name. I'm trying to find his first name, Joseph Scriven. The story basically goes to this. After receiving his university degree from Trinity College in London, he quickly established himself as a teacher. He fell in love and made plans to settle in his hometown. Then tragedy struck. The day before his scheduled wedding, his fiancée drowned. Overcome with grief, Scriven left Ireland to start a new life in Canada. He established a home in Rice Lake where he met and fell in love with Eliza Rice. Just weeks before he was, she was to become Joseph Scriven's bride, she suddenly grew sick, and in a matter of weeks, Elza died. A shattered Scriven turned to the only thing that had anchored him during his life, which was his faith. Through prayer and Bible study, he found not just solace but a mission. The 25-year-old Scriven took a vow of poverty, sold all of his earthly possessions, and vowed to give his life to the physically handicapped and financially destitute. Ten years later, Scriven received word that his mother had become very ill. The man who had taken a vow of poverty did not have the money to go home to help take care of her. Heart sick and feeling a need to reach out to her, he wrote the story of his life in three short verses. He called, what a friend we have in Jesus. Later, Scriven said, the Lord and I together wrote the song. Several of his friends got a copy. One of them carried a copy to a music publisher. Within two years, the poem of inspiration had been published and and copied to a tune written by an American lawyer, Charles Converse. Two decades later, the great American evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, came across the song and believed it to be the most touching modern hymn that he had ever heard. Where did such a wonderful song come from? 
Someone sitting on their back porch in a rocking chair drinking lemonade, writing about what a friend we have in Jesus. No, it came from a heart-sick young man who turned to the truth of God's Word and found that truly there is no other friend like you'll find in Jesus. And how that song was used to encourage and change hearts and lives. Folks, can I tell you something? There was a young man who didn't just tell about what he had heard, but he got in the Word of God and he found it true for himself. So second thing tonight, if you're going to lead the way forward, you're going to have to return with a testimony of truth. Listen, you can't wander off on this spiritual expedition to find the Holy Grail and never come back. You've got to come back with truth and you've got to be faithful because there's no way you're going to lead the way forward, listen closely, by hearsay. There's no way you're going to lead people through what we're going through, the uncertainties about the land that we're about to go into on hearsay. It's got to be through what you know and by what you trust and what you found true. So number two, return with a testimony of faith. And then finally, look at the bottom part of verse 26, and we'll be done. The Bible says they brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, and they told him, it says, we came into the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Can I tell you right quick before I give you the last point, that will always be the testimony when you take God at his word. You will say surely, surely. It's exactly like he said it was. But notice the last part of verse 27 is very similar to the last part of verse 26. And this is the fruit of it. And this is the fruit of it. Watch this. Not only were they to look forward, as we preached about this morning, they were to move forward. How are you going to move forward? You've got to search out what God said, but then you've got to return with a testimony of truth. Tell people what you found for yourself, but then take it one more step further. The Bible says they brought back fruit. Not only are we to tell them, but we are to show them, number three, if we're going to lead the way forward. We're going to have to be found fruitful. We're going to have to be found fruitful. I believe one of the greatest crisis, crises we have in the church today is simply this. We have nothing to show for what we say we found. We have nothing to show for what we say we found. We tell people we found grace. We tell people we found peace. We tell people we have, we have found strength. We tell people about the friend that we found in Jesus. But oftentimes there's no fruit in our life that back up what we say we found this afternoon, I was doing some reading about the Mormon church and about Joseph Smith, and oh my goodness, could he spin some yarns about the angel that came down and gave him the golden plates, and they were looking and trying to find, where are those golden plates? I mean, there's one sure way to back up what you said. Just show us those golden plates. And he couldn't come up with them. And he was proclaiming something he did not possess, and as weird and as fun as it is to make fun of folks, we're the same way. We've made a great proclamation of what we say we found and what we say our God is, but unfortunately our life does not show the fruit of what we say that we have found to be true. Jesus in John chapter 10, I'll give you this and we'll close. John chapter 10, as always, disputing with the scribes and the Pharisees on who he said he was. In John chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus said, If you believe not me, what did he go on to say? Believe my works. Believe my works. He says, watch for the fruit. Matter of fact, what the Bible tells us in John 13, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you bear much talk, that you make a good profession, 
That you have a silver tongue that could convince men's minds but never change their heart. That's what we've been very good at. We can talk them into religion, but we can't lead them to Christ. Why? Because there's no fruit. We don't possess what we say we have found. This is why Matthew 5, the Bible tells us to let our light shine before men. You know what our light is? The light is the fruit of what's going on in here. It's something that beams on the outside. You know, you're out there on a, on a ship, or matter of fact, the, uh, the, the flight we were on the other day, you can see lights. We took off early in the morning, and it was still dark, and you leave the airport, and you can see those runway lights, and they're shining light. I mean, they're alive. They're on. There's something flowing through there, and you can tell it by the light that's emanating. That's what light is. Light is simply our fruit. Our life should emanate what we say that we possess, and I assure you, we'll convince more people. I assure you, we'll have more converts I assure you we'll find true peace and true grace and we'll find strength that we'll only find if we're willing to not just look forward, but move forward. Now, I'll give you this. I promise we're done. Every one of us at Central Baptist Church, and I know we're speaking mainly to our church tonight. I know there's others tuning in, but we're speaking to our church. Every one of us in our church, as we go through this time, is going to lead so I'm not a leader, you know, I'll follow people. I'm not one of those 12, but listen, we're leading one way or the other. Either we're leading by finding the promises of God, bringing back word and living a fruitful life, or we're leading people away from that by not doing so. And I don't believe that's going to cut it anymore. We're going to have to have something to show for all that we say. And Moses, God says, Moses, I want you to send somebody ahead. You've been looking forward and looking forward and looking forward, and now you're here. You're on the doorstep. Now somebody's got to lead the way forward, and you're going to do that by simply searching out what God said. So, you know, it's not enough to quote it anymore. It's not enough to sing it anymore. I've got to see it for myself. I've got to know that grace and that peace and that contentment and that power that he promised us. I've got to know it. You're not going to make it through this. You're not going to possess the promise until you know it for yourself. And I want to encourage all of our people tonight, get in this book as we prepare to move forward. And then bring back word. Bear witness of a testimony of the truth that what God says is true and that grace is sufficient. But then... Let it be proven by the fruit that's in our lives. Now, let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed just for a few minutes. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.